Information discussed in this podcast may be sensitive in nature to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Ashley Loring Heavy Runner loved growing up with her extended family on the Blackfeet Reservation in Montana. Ashley was a quiet child, but she was kind to everyone that she met, and because of this, everyone loved her. She was also an exceptional student in school and never found herself in any trouble growing up that just wasn't her way. Ashley preferred to be outdoors and active, and she loved horses, and it was her love of the outdoors that prompted her to major in environmental sciences in college, something that seemed right up her alley. In 2017, Ashley was considering transferring to Missoula to attend college. Ashley was 20 years old, and she was ready to expand and grow outside of her local community. She was in constant contact with her sister, Kimberly, who lived in Missoula as she was planning to move in with her, something that both Ashley and Kimberly were really looking forward to and were excited for. On June 5th, Ashley texted Kimberly, who was out of the country at the time. And when Kimberly made it back home to Missoula, just three days later, she couldn't reach Ashley. In fact, no one could. Frantically, Kimberly tried to find her sister, contacting everyone she knew who might know where Ashley was, but no one had seen her. Ashley hasn't been seen or heard from since. Where is Ashley Loring Heavy Runner?
Hello, and welcome back to the Where Are They podcast. This week's episode, I wanted to talk about a case that I've known about for quite some time. And in light of MMIW Awareness Week, I thought it was the right time to share her story. MMIW stands for Murdered and Missing Indigenous Women, a huge epidemic in the United States and Canada. While it does seem to have gained a little bit of media attention in the last couple of years, thankfully, there is still so much more we need to do to help these cases. They still aren't getting the attention and the resources that they need. I'll talk a little bit more about MMIW shortly. As always, please make sure you are following us on the socials. Links will be in the show notes. And I welcome any and all feedback or case suggestions. Feel free to send that over via email at canwefindthem at gmail.com or through social media at any time. A huge welcome to our newest Patreon member, Garrett. Thank you so much for your support of our mission. I'm hopeful that this month's donation will go to the MMIW crisis. Keep an eye on our social media for more information on that. Anyone interested in joining us on Patreon, the link is in the notes. So let's jump right into the story of Ashley Loring Heavy Runner. Ashley was born November 1996 on the Blackfeet Reservation in Montana. Ashley, along with her two sisters, spent some time in foster care before going to live with her grandparents. The family dynamics aren't really known as to why that was, but we do know that Ashley had a very close family network around her at all times. Growing up, Ashley was said to be a very smart and athletic girl. She was kind to everyone she met and she stayed out of trouble. Ashley liked everyone and everyone liked her. She also had developed a love for the outdoors and for animals with horses being her passion. When it was time to go off to college, Ashley chose the Blackfeet Community College and decided to major in environmental sciences. In March of 2017, Ashley was thinking about transferring to the University of Montana in Missoula. Her sister Kimberly lived in Missoula and Ashley was hoping that she could live with her. And Kimberly said, absolutely. And the two were very excited about how much fun they could have together living in Missoula. During that conversation in March, Kimberly told Ashley that she was going to be going to Morocco with her boyfriend for about three months. But when she got back to the States in June, they would finalize their plans and Ashley could come to Missoula and move in and start getting ready to start her new adventure at the University of Montana. The Disappearance. On June 5th, Kimberly did receive an odd text message from Ashley. Ashley asked her if she could borrow some money. Kimberly responded asking her if everything was okay. And Ashley said yes. And then Kimberly told her that she would be back in the country on June 8th and she would connect with her then. Kimberly did make it back to Missoula on June 8th, and she texted Ashley to let her know that she was home, but Ashley didn't respond. And after quite some time, Kimberly started to get worried. 
Her first thought was maybe Ashley had just lost her phone. Kimberly checked Facebook Messenger and saw that Ashley had been active 18 hours ago. She tried messaging her there to no avail. Kimberly then started contacting family and friends to see if anyone had seen or heard from Ashley, but they had not. Kimberly did come across a video of Ashley posted on social media, and the date of that video was the evening of June 5th, and it looked to be Ashley sitting on the couch at someone's house party that night. Now, June 5th was the same day that Kimberly received that odd text from Ashley. Partygoers claimed they don't know what happened to Ashley after the party. After some time goes by, her family takes the case to the authorities for help, the Blackfeet authorities and the Bureau of Indian Affairs, known as BIA. But Ashley's case, like many, many missing Indigenous people cases, was pushed to the side. The situation became even more urgent to the family when Ashley and Kimberly's father was admitted to the hospital. For sure, they thought Ashley would show up at the hospital to see her dad. But when she didn't, her family now became panicked. Kimberly also learned about some odd behavior that Ashley had exhibited on June 5th from their father. Apparently, Ashley had stopped by their dad's house that day and she had come running inside, locking the door behind her and closing the curtains. She told her dad that she had done something, and she was scared. When a car pulled up in front of the house, and Ashley still kind of frantically panicking, her dad went to go peek outside the window, and Ashley freaked out, stopped him, and told him not to look. But eventually, Ashley would leave and get into the car with someone. Ashley's family wasn't sure what to make of this strange behavior. Kimberly knew she had to step up and find her sister. And if authorities weren't going to help, then she would have to get out there and do everything that she could. The Search Law enforcement wasn't doing much, but Ashley's family wasn't going to sit by and wait for them to do something. They began to pound the pavement themselves and look for clues. They hung up missing person flyers everywhere they could think of, and they talked to everyone they knew and even people they didn't know. And shortly after Ashley's disappearance, her family does receive a tip. Someone came forward to say that they saw someone matching Ashley's description running away from a car on Highway 89. When authorities wouldn't go out there and search that area, Kimberly and her family decided that they would just have to. So Ashley's friends and families started traipsing through the land adjacent to the highway, looking for any clues they could. Some went out on ATVs and even more people out on foot. They were looking for anything at all that might give them an idea of where Ashley was or if she had even been there. And they did find something. They found a torn up sweater and some red stained boots. They weren't 100% sure if they were Ashley's, but it was possible. So they immediately bagged up these items and turned them into authorities. Now, personally, finding these items is cause for alarm, especially if the boots were stained red. 
Whether they were Ashley's or not, they were somebody's items. But unfortunately, after waiting for quite some time for answers, the family learned that law enforcement had misplaced these items. Although some reports now say that they have since found the items, Ashley's family still has zero answers about what forensic testing was done, if any, and what those results were. On June 11th, another tip comes into authorities. And buckle up, this is a weird one. A man by the name of Sam McDonald came forward to say that he had been with Ashley for the last six days. According to Mr. McDonald, Ashley had left that party on June 5th to go back to his remote cabin and, in his words, party. Sam McDonald is an interesting guy, to say the least. He was in his mid-50s in 2017, while Ashley was just 20 years old. They do seem like an odd pair. Sam also said they partied, they were doing meth, and they were intimate. When asked why he would want to be with someone so much younger than him, he made a comment about who wouldn't want to party with a cute little young girl. He's definitely an oddball. Sam said that Ashley was with him from the night of June 5th until that morning, the morning of June 11th. On that morning, he told Ashley that it was time for her to go home and check in with her family. Ashley told him she made arrangements to be picked up by someone she knew and that Sam just needed to drive her down the road where she will meet up with this other guy. Sam said the only thing he knew about this other guy was that his name was V-Dog. When Sam got to the location, he and Ashley were waiting in the car when Sam decided to put his seat back and take a nap. He told Ashley to wake him up when V-Dog got there. Sam woke up 40 minutes later and Ashley was gone. It wasn't until later in the day when he saw missing person posters of Ashley around town that he knew she was considered a missing person. He says that he went to authorities right away. Now, a lot of people question his story and his home was searched multiple times and no evidence of Ashley was ever discovered there. He also said that he himself had been actively searching for Ashley and helping and has even quit using meth so that he could focus on finding her. No one recalls ever seeing Sam at any of the searches that family and friends conducted. So if he was helping do any searches, he was most likely doing them on his own. Now, as if that strange and questionable story isn't weird enough, another crazy tale would surface. It was learned that V-Dog was indeed a real person, and his name was Paul Venezuela. Paul's girlfriend, T, came forward to say that Paul had Ashley and that he had been cheating on her with Ashley. Paul denied this, but he and T remained together. And T kept insisting that Paul had her or knew where she was. She was sending these messages to Ashley's family, telling them that Paul knew where Ashley was. And the story escalated a bit when T said that Paul was keeping her at a Motel 6 and that Ashley had dyed her brown hair blonde. 
When authorities showed up at that Motel 6, they found Paul and T. But it was actually T that was there with Paul, and it was T that had dyed her hair blonde. Now, if those two leads weren't enough to make your head spin, another lead, a third lead would surface. Apparently, several years prior, Ashley had been witness to a violent crime, and the man who had been arrested and put in prison for committing that crime had recently gotten out. Some wondered if maybe he had come back and gone after Ashley. This was yet another rumor surrounding Ashley's disappearance. Now, this all just reminds me of people telling a bunch of insane stories, trying to throw people off the trail of the truth, or they are all just crazy, which seems just as possible. But it's hard to say. We have to consider that any one of those stories could be a possibility. Blackfeet Reservation Blackfeet Reservation is located in the northeast corner of the state of Montana. The reservation borders Canada, and it lies within the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. The Blackfeet Reservation is over 3,000 square miles of land. The east side of the reservation is mostly grasslands with free-roaming cattle, while the other side tends to be a little more hilly and mountainous. The population is just over 10,000 residents, which makes the population density just 3.5 people per square mile. Suffice to say, it's pretty scarcely populated, leaving many rural and untouched areas of land. Part of the problem with crime on the reservations is the vast amount of space and the lack of resources. Because of its isolated location, residents of the reservation have suffered high unemployment. The Montana Local Area Unemployment Statistics reports that the rate of unemployment on the reservation is 11%. For comparison, at the same time, the rate of unemployment was at 3.6% for the entire state of Montana and 4.5% for the United States as a whole. Browning, Montana is the main hub for the Blackfeet Reservation or the main town which is also where Ashley was from and where she was known to last be in the area of. Now, Missoula, where Kimberly lived and where Ashley was hoping to move to, is about 250 miles south of the reservation and would certainly open up many doors for Ashley and many more opportunities, especially at the University of Montana there. MMIW MMIW stands for Murdered and Missing Indigenous Women, something that has been a problem in the United States and Canada for a long time and has really just started to gain some attention. And it's not just women. Men are affected too, causing the movement to expand to the MMIP, Missing and Murdered Indigenous People. So why the silence for so many years on this epidemic? According to NativeHope.org, There are numerous reasons, but at the forefront lie issues stemming from the Indian Relocation Act and federal policies. 
many Native Americans do not live on tribal lands or reservations. Only actually about 22% do. And many of the others frequent a lifestyle of transience between tribal and state lands. And this presents a variety of crucial issues involving reporting policies, jurisdictional complications, and communication and coordination problems between agencies. Now, sometimes we see this happen from city to city or state to state, some communication issues, or each law enforcement agency thinks the other one should be handling it. I've seen that many times, so I can imagine in this situation, it's even more so. Now, I've seen this statistic many times, and I've tried to find one more recent, but I have not been able to. But the National Crime Information Center reports that in 2016, there were 5,712 reports of missing American Indian and Alaska Native women and girls. But the U.S. Department of Justice Federal Missing Person Database, known as NamUs, only logged 116 of those. That's crazy. That's literally 2%. A red hand over the mouth has become the symbol of the growing movement, the MMIW movement. And you may see pictures on social media of a Native woman with a red handprint across their mouth. And it stands for all of the missing sisters whose voices are not heard. It stands for the silence of the media and law enforcement. In the midst of this crisis, it stands for the oppression of Native women who are now rising up to say no more. If you do want more information on the MMIW crisis, and I do encourage you to read up on it and learn more about it and see what you can do to help, there are two good website resources out there, nativehope.org and mmiwusa.org. I'll link them in the show notes for you to check out. So what do you think happened to Ashley Loring Heavy Runner? Do you think she is still out there somewhere living undetected, unknown? Do you think Sam McDonald was involved? Do you even believe his story? Or possibly V-Dog and his wife T? Maybe even the person who was in prison prior for the violent crime, the crime in which Ashley was a witness to. Have you heard of Ashley's case before? Ashley is described as a Native American female standing five foot two inches tall and weighing around 90 pounds when she was last seen in June of 2017. She was last known to be near Browning, Montana, on the Blackfeet Reservation. Ashley was 20 years old then and would today be 26. She was believed to be wearing a t-shirt and jeans, although no one is 100% certain. Anyone with any information on the whereabouts of Ashley Loring Heavy Runner is asked to contact the Blackfeet Law Enforcement Services at 406-338-4000. You can also follow along on the Facebook page that has been set up for her, Find Ashley Loring Heavy Runner. There are also some other places I want to mention if you'd like to find another perspective or perhaps a little more detailed look on Ashley's case. First, Uncovered.com has a pretty extensive timeline of her case with resources to verify everything. They do a great job at covering a lot of the unsolved cases and including only factual verified information. You can also find her story on season three of the podcast Up and Vanished. 
If YouTube is your preference, many true crime YouTubers have covered her story. I do think Kendall Ray did a great job, and I do think she has respectful and compassionate coverage, which is not something I can say for all of them. All in all, the MMIW continues to be a crisis in the U.S. and Canada, and it just isn't fair. And Ashley Loring Heavy Runner should not become just another statistic. She was a daughter, a sister, a friend, and a cousin to many. There is family out there still determined to find out what happened to their Ashley, especially her sister Kimberly, who has continued to fight for answers within law enforcement, the media, and even out on her own. Kimberly has even traveled to Washington, D.C. to speak in front of Congress on the MMIW crisis and the tragedy of her sister's case and the lack of resources they have had for her. Not to mention the complete mishandling of evidence. I know Ashley would be proud of her sister's determination and passion. Please make sure you are following us over on the socials. And if you are interested in supporting our mission, you can join us over on Patreon for just $3 a month. You can find that link in the show notes. As always, I welcome any and all feedback or case suggestions to canwefindthem at gmail.com. I really do need your help with these local cases that haven't made mainstream media, the ones that really need the attention, the ones that people need to hear about. If you visit our podcast page, you can also find a link to leave us a voice message, which is super cool. And I hope to feature some of those in future podcasts. If you'd like to leave us a message, but you'd rather yours not be played on the podcast, please just say so and I'll make sure it isn't. Thank you so much for listening today to Ashley Loring Heavy Runner's story, a tragic story, a confusing story to some degree, but still a young and beautiful woman who has been missing for six years. Six years is way too long for this family to wait for answers. We will be back again very soon with another Unsolved Missing Person episode. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.